0: hello 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 welcome back to the reclaim podcast i'm your host whitney Elise, just a black girl out here trying to help everybody do better including herself hey y'all what's up hope you guys had a merry christmas to those who are celebrating kwanzaa habaragani um yeah we are still on our southern tour the fiance southern tour um and i'm actually not back at home recording but I, I couldn't end the year without saying hey to you guys one more time thank you guys so much for supporting the show thank you for liking sharing thank you for subscribing thank you for the comments you guys are leaving some pretty awesome comments and you guys are sending me the sending those e uh, those emails into the reclaimed podcast of uh, that the reclaimed blog <laughs> Uh the reclaimed blog at gmail.com. You guys are sending the things in and I sincerely appreciate it. Um so let's get into today's show. We're doing something a little different this episode. Um it's a special episode. It's the end of the year. It literally is the end of the year. This will be the last podcast of twenty eighteen and My my mom used to tell me how fast years would fly once we became adults, but I didn't believe her. Now it feels like every single year goes by even faster than the year before. And it's really interesting to, to experience, to look around because I remember January of this year and it felt like January until it was December. So (laughs) it just happened so quickly. Um, but we couldn't end the year without doing a year in review, the best of 2018, 2018 was, was full of some, some pretty, pretty outstanding moments and to not talk about them, to not include them, um, would be just a, a waste, you know, to, to not remember all of the, um, all oh, of the great and good things that happened. I know this year was actually rough for so many, um, so many people. Maybe so many of you guys, and I, yeah, like a lot of us experienced some life this year. But we couldn't, we couldn't just omit all of the good that also happened this year. Um, on the blog right now, on the reclaimed blog, there is a list of your guys's favorite uh, posts of twenty eighteen. Uh, And so if you guys want to go ahead and check that out, I can put that in the show notes um, the link directly to that in the show notes. Uh, But for now, we're going to be talking about culture, the the cool stuff that happened in culture. Um, And I want to start off with a pretty powerful moment. um, And I'm going to just go ahead and play the clip for you now. be because of a lot of magnificent women, many of whom are right here in this room tonight, and some pretty phenomenal men fighting hard to make sure that they become the leaders who take us to the time when nobody ever has to say, me too, again. What you just listened to was a clip from the Golden Globes this past year, um, from January, January of this year. And what you just listened to was our fave, our favorite auntie out there, um, right after Michelle Obama, Oprah. Oprah was receiving um, an award in honor, of the Cecil DeMille uh, Award for Lifetime Achievement. And if anyone has achieved some things in life, it is Miss Oprah. And her speech was just, if you have not heard that speech, I encourage you guys to go back, look at the speech, (laughs) read the transcripts, something Jesus, because that speech, if you're going to kick off a year, that's the way you do it. Um, I love that she addressed so many different things. Uh, she, especially the whole me too movement. Um, We have talked about the Me Too movement on the blog and how, you know, it's lost its way and how it's found its way back and how it was never meant to be a crucible for good men. It is meant to highlight and illuminate the disparities between men and women in various fields. Um, And it's, I mean, it's kind of like we heard a bunch of good men say, like, I'm not worried about the Me Too movement. I have nothing, there's nothing out there for me to be worried about. Um and I love that she she highlighted that. She highlighted Reese Taylor. Um she highlighted so many so many interesting and heartbreaking and powerful moments in in culture. And I just I don't know, I thought that was so exciting. I thought that was so cool. Um So, yeah, that's how January started. That's how the year started. Uh, Oprah Winfrey tearing down the house at the Golden Globes. Next, you know, a little movie came out. I don't know if you guys have heard of this movie. It's a a little movie, um, not very well known. Uh, It's called Black Panther. (laughs) Uh, This movie broke records and barriers and showed culture and and blackness in a whole different new interesting delightful way Black Panther oh my gosh from from the from the casting the directorship uh, images it's just watching it it's just a beautiful movie visually and then you have the soundtrack oh my gosh like talk about a soundtrack talk about music you know talk about a cultural moment and then you have oh my god the costumes um all of the things that were coming out people were going to see this movie two and three and four and i know a person who's seen it nine times in, in the theater nine times i myself saw it twice uh for my birthday weekend and with my church and it was it was awesome it was such a cool thing to experience um it was a moment it was really a moment of like sincere and beautiful pride uh for people of color particularly black people um showing up to the theaters wearing y'all's dashikis and your kente and your head wraps and or your black jackets and you know your t- your black turtlenecks and and your unks and your hair picks. man it was just a beautiful expression of blackness and I don't think that culture has been the same since um, Black Panther is one of those movies that is going to stand out and shows the power of letting people tell their own stories. You know, it's one thing when you have a story written for you, you know, and I'm looking at, you know, the help, you know, uh, the, the the life of Henrietta Lacks, those types of things. It's one thing when you have a story told for you. Um, it's another thing entirely when you tell your own story. And this shows the power of that. This also shows the power of the black dollar. Um, you know, it just it's just, it's, this movie in and of itself is a cultural moment that we could be studying for years and years and years. Um, and so, yes, Black Panther was incredible. Speaking of Black Panther, speaking of Black Panther soundtrack, speaking of the leadership of Black Panther soundtrack, which, which is a rapper named Kendrick Lamar. Um, he received the Pulitzer Prize uh, this year for his album, Damn. Uh, another moment that was incredible. A Pulitzer Prize for a, a hip-hop album? We're getting Pulitzer Prizes now? I'm down for it. I'm excited about it. I, I love the fact that our art is being recognized. Not that we need it to be recognized. Not that we're asking for that type of validation. But Whoa when When you get it whether you're asking for it or not, fantastic so uh, congratulations to Kendrick Lamar. I hope you're enjoying that Pulitzer Prize. This next one, you can feel any type of way you want about it. I personally love it, and this is my show and you 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 tuned in to listen to me talk so here we are um, There was a music video that came out uh earlier this year, and it was full of so many powerful women, Misty Copeland, uh, Tracy, Tracy Ellis Ross, oh God, um, Rashida Jones, uh, Sid from the internet, just full of just women, um, Issa Rae, uh, Tiffany Haddish, like just so many incredible, beautiful women. Um, and it's a music video called nice for what Drake's nice for what music video, was probably one of my favorite music videos of the year second only to one that I'm going to talk about a little bit later Um, just left and right and left and right you just see these incredible incredible women um, illuminating the screen and I love that Drake himself was not the center of this this project but was rather you know, almost like an accessory, like the, the words he was saying and the moments that he was actually in the the video, you know, it's not the typical video girls just twerking on him. No, it's about, you know, being a powerful woman who's unapologetic about how she lives and, you know, how she rolls and things like that. And so that video, um, was directed by a young woman named Karina Evans, and she's just, clear-headed and I've I, I started following her from that moment but I've seen some of her art and her clips and oh man it's just a, just such a beautiful moment and such a beautiful video um so after that we had uh, a moment another moment in history another moment was made um this royal wedding between Prince Harry and Meghan Markle y'all went off for this wedding like I had never seen y'all go off before like to be fair like memes were being made in mere moments There was a lot of M's there, but yes memes were being made in mere moments Um, Off of this wedding this had to have probably been the blackest <laughs> The absolute blackest uh, wedding that these royals had ever 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 seen um, from the pastor who did the ceremony to the choir. Oh my gosh, this choir. First of all, that's how you choir. That is exactly how you choir. Secondly, the outfits, all that natural hair. Um, oh, just just beautiful. Just a beautiful choir. Um, and then you had Megan and... I know a lot of y'all were ranting and raving about this. You were not very happy about this. But me personally, being the minimalist that I am, I felt seen and validated and like my fashion opinions matter because I watched her walk into a church being, becoming becoming a royal in through this wedding ceremony. And she chose the most elegant, stately, timeless, beautiful dress. And... Just makeup that made her just look like herself. And I appreciated that so much. Weddings can be so gaudy and so over the top. And the bride doesn't look like herself because she's under 50 layers of foundation. And her eye makeup is three layers thick with glitter. And she's wearing these false eyelashes. And by the time these these people are done with her face... She looks like what Earl calls a sheet cake where it looks like they could, we could cut the layers of makeup that is on your face just like icing on a cake. It's just, it's too much. And I love how, how minimalistic and beautiful and simple it was because it's not about her makeup and it's not about the dress. It is about the union between a man and his wife despite all this royal stuff. Yeah, she's got money. Yeah, she's got all, she's got what, all that stuff. That doesn't mean that she has to flaunt it through layers of makeup and an overly fancy dress and a massive diamond on her hand. She didn't have to do all that. She's a duchess now. And that, that, that is how you get married as, as far as I'm concerned. If you have an opinion, please feel free to email me. <laughs> I read them. I do. I take into account what you have to say. But note that the opinions on the show are mine. And I thought that wedding was beautiful. Um, and I thought that dress was beautiful. Um, okay, let's do one more before we go to break. Um, Childish Gambino came out with a music video called This Is America and it paused a lot of us in our tracks, you know, watching all this gun violence, this mayhem. Meanwhile you have Donald Glover, Childish Gambino, striking poses that remind people of, you know, Jim Crow, like the actual uh drawings of Jim Crow. Um, dancing around as if to distract you from all of the the things that are happening in the background. And to be honest, a lot of people got it and a lot of people didn't. What I loved was that it facilitated us into a a conversation about gun control, about gun reform, about gun violence and things like that. I loved that it took us there. I'm not a particular fan of the song and I'm not a particular fan of the video but that's because of the violent nature of the video however I love that we're talking about that stuff now and I love that musicians are becoming more woke whether you see it as a trend or something that people are just doing just because it looks cool now or you see it as people opening up and being more transparent and concerned and 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 verbal about their thoughts however you see it I'm glad it's here because it gets us talking about things that matter um, so that's, that's that on that. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we are back. So continuing on in the realm of music, since we talked about Childish Gambino, This is America, we talked about, you know, the Black Panther soundtrack, we talked about Nice for What. Let's talk about an album that came out and none of us were expecting it. A lot of y'all are asking for it and here it is. Everything is Love by Beyonce and Jay-Z. Y'all. <laughs> All right, I'm a big fan. I like the album. I like the fact that these two are together, making music together. I mean, they're musicians. This is their art. This is their, their bread and butter. This is their, their medium of creativity, and I'm down for it. I liked everything from ape shit to uh everything is love love happy um friends all of those songs like I still listen to them like you know how sometimes you listen to music and then new music comes along and you just like all right whatever you know you forget about it I still listen to these and like I said since we're on the fiance world tour I've <laughs> been stuck in the car for a little bit and so I've been you know listening to these things to give myself hope that I will eventually get out of a vehicle in Jesus name but yes that album was was such a moment such a really cool powerful interesting introspective moment um my favorite song of course was the ape shit song uh particularly because of the the video this video was taken in the Louvre your favorites could never they took the Louvre and where you have these massive paintings of european settlement and victory and and white supremacy and those things like that here you have these beautiful black bodies with arms raised in in triumph dancing around in these these old halls filled with art and you know posing in front of the mona lisa like yo we could probably buy this <laughs> and it's just such it's such a powerful powerful moment it's just so cool um so I really appreciate that that moment of of creativity because like you could with a song like that you could take it and and film it anywhere you could film That's, that's something you could do anywhere um but the fact that they did it in the Louvre and it was such a moment for people who love art and things like that whether you loved art or were learning about art you're going to get this art lesson today from these black people um and i loved it so that's that crazy rich asians holy smoke there has not been a film like that since the joy luck club i'm a, which i was a fan of i love the book i love the movie um again the power of letting people of color and women and marginalized groups tell their own story Another moment where it was and unlike the Drilla Club, which is more serious and 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 dramatic, not dramatic in the sense of unnecessary drama, but the stories were so heavy in certain parts. Um, and there were a few laughs sprinkled in this movie, Crazy Rich Asians. You know, it addressed so many uh, issues that these people were having, the modern issues and the, the cultural issues and traditionalism versus contemporary culture and and these massive weddings and being rich and poor and the difference between wealth and being rich and you know coming from a good family and oh it was just such a moment it was it was a, a beautiful and fun movie Aquafina man outside of the two main characters and the love story Aquafina was my favorite part she's hilarious hilarious Uh, every time I saw her I knew I was getting ready to chuckle great movie great 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 movie okay so this was a great moment despite the terrible circumstances that (laughs) that it lived that brought it along Aretha Franklin's funeral I'm so sad that she passed away this wonderful woman uh, a cultural icon, incredible person, a philanthropist, all of that. But her funeral, y'all. Like, if you go do a funeral for a legend, that is how you do it. Eight hours of preaching and singing and choirs. First of all, was there a break at all? Did did we have like a lunch break for people to get like their chicken in, or you know? grab some crackers, have a coffee break, have some tea where people being substituted out like, you know, in these football games where you get someone off the bench and get them back in the, in the game. Like I'm trying to figure this out. Um it was so long. I couldn't watch the whole entire thing. I only saw um a few a few clips and things like that, but from what I did see it was it was beautiful. Um we're not going to talk about the terrible moments, like, you know, the whole eulogy, which is supposed to honor the person who passed away, um, not be your own personal platform. Um, and you know, the, this Jasper, Jasper Williams, Wilson, whatever his last name was, he could go down in the annals of history for completely forgotten, um, with his, uh, brown faced, uh, trump tirade about black lives don't matter we don't have to talk about any of that we don't have to talk about how ariana grande was her her whole entire boob was grabbed and you know y'all just showed the worst parts of the worst parts of christianity in these moments um but yeah the funeral itself was great uh the and that sounds so terrible to say someone's funeral was great but you know if you're gonna send off the queen you send off the queen her her in that red dress and them red pumps with her ankles crossed. Man, just just a lady. And I bet you she wrote that down in her will somewhere that that's how she should be displayed um, for people to say their final goodbyes. Um, man, oh man, just yes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, rest in peace, queen. Um, the next moment on the list, I had some of y'all feeling some of y'all setting things on fire. <laughs> Nike's commercial with Colin Kaepernick, uh, where it, oh, I, I didn't even know that this was coming. Um, And I play on the Internet. You know, I, I, I do. <laughs> I live on the Internet. I did not even know that this was coming down the pipeline. So when my Instagram lit up like a Christmas tree uh, with clips from this commercial i had to go see the whole thing myself and wow just wow like i am not a fan of sports i've never been an athlete i watch them but i'm not all of that like but i will go out and buy some nike like today today And, you know, you have Colin there with his afro and he's voicing the entire commercial and yeah, 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 yeah. And calling Serena Williams the greatest athlete like ever to have ever existed. And, you know, that's that's fair. She's won, won her things and a lot of them. And, you know, she deserves that praise despite the fact that she's black and a woman. Um, she's the GOAT, clearly hands down. Thank you, sir, for acknowledging that also. Um, yeah, just, just an amazing moment. And I I don't know which part of this moment was better. The actual commercial, which was inspiring and shows these people persevering over difficult issues and things like that, peppered in with your favorite, um, athletes and celebrities and whatnot. Or was it the fallout? (laughs) I personally cackled at the fact that people were burning their $25 Nike sneakers that they already had purchased like four years ago, um, from wherever, whatever, what have you, I had, I thought that was, that was pretty funny that they were destroying things that they already paid for or that they bought from somebody swap meet. Um, cause no one's out here burning Harachis or any of those other fancy schmancy highfalutin Sneakers. No one's actually doing that. And it's funny because, like, none of these white supremacists who are very, very upset about this commercial because, God forbid, you have Colin Kaepernick's giant fro telling you about persevering um, and you're so disappointed in in all of these things because, God forbid, people say, you know, please don't shoot us. Like, we want to actually live and, you know you know, no, he's disrespecting the flag and he's not he's not american and all these other things like that is just foolish just ridiculousness god forbid god forbid but you know i cackled because you know this is unfortunate but it shows the level of a um, thoughtfulness that these supremacists have because not only were they burning things that they already paid for um but they were also you know one of them set f- fire to his own feet and suffered you know, burns and scarring and you know, that actual him suffering was not the thing that made me cackle. It was just the lack of intelligence. Like if you're going to burn something, you might want to take it off of your own body. Just the thought. But yes, that was another one of my favorite moments of the year. Moving down, moving down, moving down. So the queen has changed the name of an incredibly popular music festival. That's right. Coachella is no longer Coachella. It is now Beachella. Many of us woke ourselves up out of our sleep to witness this amazing moment of pure blackness, very, very blackness, in a very, very white space. Let's just be really, really honest. Coachella was not really created for people of color and it was not created for people of color's music we just happened to show up there you know when when our non-melanated brothers and sisters um turn up to our tunes and come on Beyonce being the first woman to ever headline Coachella and she killed it she absolutely killed it and she killed it in such a way that if you only if you were familiar with this particular part of culture You would appreciate Beyonce did an entire tribute to HBCU, historically black colleges and universities culture with stepping with a giant band, baton twirlers, um, just, just a moment, just a massive moment, you know, having sweatshirts with, you know, the logo in, in Greek letters coming out with. You know, a Nefertiti inspired headpiece and, you know, a g- glittery bodysuit and cape, you know, and a and a staff of all those things like, oh, no, you're going to you're going to get every ounce of this blackness today. uh, Mostly white crowd. Um And I don't think that the crowd gave her her things. I don't think that they went off the way they should have. Um, because if she had done that in, in concert for her, for her crowd, for us, we would have lost every ounce of our minds, every ounce of our minds. But like I said, it wasn't for them. They didn't get it. She took a risk doing an entire show that is, that was very, 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 very black in a very, very, very white space. And I think it paid off. She created, like I said, she created a cultural moment. She performed with her husband. She got uh, Destiny's Child back together, which is something that we have all, all been missing. It was just so much fun to watch. So beautiful. Um, And yeah, another incredible moment. Speaking of incredible moments, uh, if you have not gotten your copy of Becoming, you are late on the train because... Becoming, in its first two weeks, I believe, two weeks, sold over one million copies. Michelle Obama's uh, memoir, biography, whatever, what have you, we would call it. Yeah, that book, life-changing. Like, so many gems, so much insight, so much just relatability, and this book tour where Honey is slaying with all these outfits, including those glittery, thigh-high Balenciaga boots that made an appearance in New York City. She knows, She's like, oh, I was the first lady, but I will always be Michelle Obama. Honey, come through. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I actually uh, managed to grab a ticket to the Philadelphia book tour event not a seat left in the house just packed crowd um, just a beautiful beautiful moment uh, and just listening to her speak and listening to her transparency and her authenticity and just oh uh, such a great book such a great moment the last thing I want to talk about that was incredible for 2018 were these mid-term elections y'all This was just such a moment. Such a moment. Like, think about it. Like, we had just come off of the prior year before where elections, where people had not been voting. And you could tell because look who won. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Um, But, yeah, like, we had just come off of of that moment uh, where... You know, there. A lot of us felt hopeless. A lot of us felt like none of our opinions mattered. A lot of us, you know, looked down. You know, looked down on elections. Looked down on our 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 system of government. And then this man got into power, and then we got mad. <laughs> so many of us got mad. We were like, you know, we're gonna give him a shot. We're gonna give him a chance. Mm-mm, no, wrong, incorrect. And so you know what? We started saying we're like, you know what, Mr. Trump since you could make it to politics guess who else can make it to politics we surely can and people showed up and showed out in such an amazing fashion historic historic numbers were reached and just just in attendance like I remember you know, going to my polling place, and I'm I'm a regular voter. Now that's not a brag; it's just it's just something that we do. I remember going to our polling place, and you know, I would still be we would still be in the double digits for my neighborhood by the time I got there, and that would be at like six o'clock after work. Well, at this past election, I decided to go in the morning, right before I went downtown, and. I was, I was like in the triple digits and I couldn't believe it. I was just listening to people, you know, talking about it and being so excited and, you know, packing out, um, our voting place. And, oh, it was just like the air was charged and people were so excited. And we made some major history, including, including, like, I'm I'm only going to mention a few because there was was so, so, so many people, you know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, um, Ilhan Omar, uh, Rashida Tlaib, um, Marsha Blackburn, Deb Holland, Sharice David, uh, David's so 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 many people. Um, I just mm, just looking at those. Um, I don't know if you guys follow any of those people on Instagram, um, but I follow Alexandria Alexandra rather. Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, I follow her, I follow Ilhan, I follow Rashida and just seeing them going into, you know, their, their orientations, watching them go through their, uh, the things that they go through, um, and sharing, share, constantly sharing, constantly pushing the, the, the buck against things. Like recently, Alexandra, Alexandria rather called Congress out and said, hey, you know, we're in a government shutdown and, you know, we're still getting paid. We're like, she's like, our government is shut down. It doesn't feel fair that TSA and Homeland Security um, isn't getting paid, but we, us in Congress, are still getting paid. It just doesn't feel right. She's like, Does It doesn't make sense that, you know, We get the best health care and we're paying pennies to the dollar. Meanwhile, waitresses and teachers have to decide, you know, between paying for health insurance and eating or paying for health insurance and, you know, whatever other bills they have to pay. And she said that she called that out. That's not right. You know, I'm, I'm just I'm watching these people who are just sick of the. The selfishness and the cycle that has engulfed our our elections, that has engulfed our government, and these real people, these authentic people, these representative people, are coming out and saying, "No, this not this is this does not work for Black people. This does not work for Native Native people. This does not work for uh, Spanish speaking people. This does not work." for the poor and disenfranchised. This does not work for the LGBTQIA plus communities. This doesn't work for us. You know, if a system only benefits one type of people, how is that beneficial to a country like us where we are literally a salad of people? You know, you got your lettuce, you got your tomato, you got your croutons, you got, you know, some chicken or whatever you have you have the cheese, like whatever other vegetable, avocado, all that stuff like that. You have all of that in a salad. And if the system really only works for the tomatoes, you got the rest of the salad looking around like, all right, just but this is this doesn't work for us, and that doesn't sound like a good salad. In that same vision, that's how government is supposed to work for all of us. You know, it's liberty and justice for all. And so I love the fact that there's real representation, people who have not sat in seats for decades. You know, at this point, just being a bench warmer and doing what's best for them and their constituents and not really caring for the communities that they're supposed to be representing. Um, I think it's amazing. I think it's one of my favorite moments of 2018. And with that, that is the end of our year in review. Thank y'all. Thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. Um, I really started this as just same, pretty much the same way I started the blog. Let's just start and see where we can go. And you guys have been incredibly supportive. Listening and sharing and liking and subscribing and commenting and, and sending me emails and giving me ideas and, and just, just being present here. And I really, really appreciate you. Um, that's it for the show for 2018, 2019. I'll see you guys on the opposite side. Have a happy and safe new year. Um, however you celebrate it, whether you're going out and turning up or turning down with the ones you love or celebrating by yourself or celebrating with a bunch of people. I, my hope is that you guys sincerely celebrate and really enjoy. And until then, peace. Peace.